the songwriter wrote, if the earth will obey him, then so will I. Come on, anybody in here that's, that, you know, through all that we've been through, you just had to obey him. You couldn't control it, but you just simply had to obey him. Amen, amen, amen. So will I. That's a word for us this morning. We are in the sixth week of our Might from the Margin series. And last week, Pastor Luke helped us understand that God is moving those who are on the margins from rejection to rejoicing. Anybody know about some rejoicing this morning? Oh, it's Pentecost Sunday. Can we rejoice? Hallelujah. Speaking of rejection to rejoicing, this week in Philippians chapter 1, we find Paul in prison and marginalized, rejected, in a rejected state. Yet he's rejoicing and encouraging those who have taken care of him. So that's we're going to look at this passage this morning, Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 30. Hear the words of the Lord this morning. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through this same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Let us pray. You may be seated. Our Father and our God, we thank you in advance for being the God of our salvation. You are the potter, we are the clay. Mold the shapers, makers, breakers to what you need us to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister through my mind. Speak with my tongue. Love with my heart. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children say amen, amen, amen. Verse 27 grabs our attention this morning. Then whether I come and see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. For the time that's mine this morning, I just want to talk this morning on the power of togetherness. The power of togetherness. One of the things I believe this pandemic has taught us is that there is power in togetherness. So many of us since the early stages of development was taught to be independent. Lil, we spent most of our lives learning how to be self-sufficient and self-reliant. These are all important elements in our stages of development, Kathy. But I believe this attitude and behavior comes at an expensive price when it comes to embracing our faith. Being raised in Western culture, independence has a value, high value, but the danger is sometimes it comes in conflict and counterintuitive to the kingdom of God. Self-reliance, self-sufficiency, and independence all make sense in culture 
when things are going well. But when life brings trouble, when life brings a pandemic, when life gets so hard you can't help yourself, there comes a moment when you have to depend on others. I don't care what your family background is. It comes a time when you're going to have to depend on others. I don't care what your bank account look like. There's coming a time when you have to depend on others. I don't care if you're morally astute and righteous. There is coming a time when you have to depend on others. For some reason, we have in our minds that if we work hard, we educate ourselves, eat right food, take care of our bodies, do good to people, and love God, our lives will be trouble-free. <laughs> oh, that's so cute this morning. But some of us in the room know that we've worked hard, we've educated ourselves, we ate right, we took care of our bodies, and we love God, and guess what? Trouble still landed on our steps. But what we fail to understand that you can do everything right. And at some point, you will have to come through some trouble. We need, when we are in trouble, church, we need God and we need each other. I dare you look at somebody and say, I need you. I need you. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell them this morning. Uh, sometimes our trouble is not physical. Sometimes this trouble, church, is spiritual. This is why the Apostle Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood and principalities in high places. God never designed his creation to work independent of God and each other. We are to function, watch this church, interdependent upon God and one another. Everything about the Christian faith is interdependence. Even though we live in a Western culture, to be a Christian, watch this, one must believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the interdependence upon Jesus and his community. That's the gospel. Our faith is not about self-sufficiency, but it's about interdependency. This is important because we practice in a way of Western culture or we can practice in the way of the kingdom of God. Western culture and the kingdom of God have two different default positions when it comes to trouble. See, in Western culture, when trouble comes, we grab hold and the kingdom of God, we let go. In Western culture, we get selfish, but in the kingdom of God, we get selfless. In Western culture, we want to stand on our own. But in the kingdom of God, we stand together. In Western culture, we want someone to blame. But in the kingdom of God, we want someone who's willing to change. In Western culture, we divide, we're divided because of our diversity. But in the kingdom of God, we're united because of our diversity. In Western culture, we aligned with, we have aliens and strangers as outsiders. But in the kingdom of God, aliens and strangers are friends and on the inside. In Western culture, there is the first and the last. But in the kingdom of God, the last shall be first. Y'all don't know, it's Pentecost Sunday. That's a shout right there. One of the reasons why we get confused on how we are to conduct ourselves as Christians is too many of us lose sight of our dual citizenship. 
And sometimes one citizenship is counterintuitive to the other. You know, the central theme about faith is that God stands alone. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. Nothing in, uh, in nothing. He stands by himself. If anyone's independent, it's God. But church, God is independent. But watch this. But he chooses to use and operate his plan and purpose through humanity. In other words, there is something powerful about togetherness. You know, the first thing we see in the scripture is that God would be in fellowship with his creation. He would meet them at the cool of the day and they would be together. The indicator that something went wrong was when they were no longer together. And then God had to ask Adam, where are you? When his sin arrived and shame began to come in his life, God asked, where are you, Adam? But I'm so glad God is not like people. Adam and Eve was in their worst shape and the worst version of themselves. Deepest bondages, isolated from community. And the God of the universe said, where are you? Oh, my goodness. That's good news, Lil. Because he didn't come. He didn't ask you when you had yourself together. He wanted you to know right in your worst version of yourself. He wanted to know where are you? In our text this morning, Paul is in prison. But while he's in prison, he's sending encouragement to the church. I believe it is safe to say one who's in prison or in chains is oftentimes people in the worst version of themselves. I think I'm safe here. But Paul is in great spiritual shape. Paul was in prison but was free in his spirit. While the chains are holding him, he's grateful for the togetherness. What he's not doing is blaming others for the chain. He's not getting bitter because of the chains. Paul wastes no time on the perpetrator. He places his energy on the partners while he's going through the pain. He places his energy on his allies and not his enemies. The reason why is because where he places his confidence, he appreciates his part. He appreciates the partners, but his confidence is in Christ. And when your confidence is in Christ, you see your condition another way. Paul said, even in my condition, it is advancing the gospel because what I, have, I am connected to, I, there is something powerful about togetherness. Paul is in chains, but the chains is not controlling his life. The chains are not controlling what his mission is in life. Verse 21, his circumstance has him bound, but his spirit is still free. He's encouragement. He's hope. He's given faith. He's given joy. It's not predicated on his physical condition. It has all to do with his spiritual togetherness. Paul is not happy about the condition, but his condition doesn't have permission to rob him of his joy. Let me say that again. Y'all just missed that. I said Paul's condition wasn't pretty, but it didn't have permission to rob him of his joy. And I've, I've come by here to tell you this morning, some of y'all have allowed your condition to rob your joy. But I come give you permission on Pentecost Sunday to come get your joy back. Paul thanks God <laughs> for the togetherness. In other words, while he's in chains, he's reflecting on their togetherness. And he says this in 21. He says, I'm in a win-win situation. 
He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is the game. In other words, this is a catch-22 for me <laughs> because I'm not a citizen on this earth. I'm a citizen of heaven. And because I'm a citizen of heaven, if I stay here, I'm going to be Christ on, and with, I'm going to be Jesus with skin on. But if I leave here, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm in a win-win situation. That's good news for somebody. So verse 27 says this. <laughs> he says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He says, live out the gospel in Philippi like you living in heaven. Live out the gospel in Baltimore like your residence is in heaven. Y'all quiet this morning. Y'all just missed it. You can live your heavenly life while you're here on this earth. Lord, let me talk to the screen. You can live like heaven here on the earth. I got, we got to teach you on shouting moments. Next sermon, shouting moments. Paul could have simply said, watch this, walk in the way of the Lord. But he's doing something unique, church. He appeals to their pride. Watch this. He appeals to their ethnocentrism. He appeals to their nationalism. Here it is in the text because here, here's the history. He knows the people of Philippi took pride in becoming Roman citizens under Caesar Augusta. But the privilege and the prestige of being a citizen of Rome. So he's appealing to that. And so he says, live in Philippi like you are a citizen of heaven. Live like this earthly place is temporary and that eternity is permanent. He says, take serious people of God your civic responsibility. We have a dual citizenship on this earth and we have a dual citizenship in heaven. And so the first thing he says to them right in the text, he says, if we are going to understand the power of togetherness, the first thing he says, we have to stand together in one spirit. Here it is in the text. He said, then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. Paul says, hold, this word one spirit or stand ground literally means hold your ground. It means to hold your ground regardless of danger and opposition. The picture here is a soldier holding their position regardless of what it costs, even if it means sacrificing his life. The figurative means to hold your belief and convictions and principle without compromise. The standing firm here is not the problem, though. We don't have a problem with standing firm. We don't have a problem with keeping our positions. Ask me how I know. I see your Facebook post. I know your position. That ain't the problem. The problem is, it is, not standing firm, but he says stand firm together. <laughs> we don't have a standing firm problem. The church got a togetherness problem. <laughs> Woo, Paul says, there's power, Jamon, in togetherness. The text says, stand firm together, watch this, 
and one spirit. Paul is speaking of oneness of the human soul in order to accomplish it. It's with harmony and living as citizens of Philippi, but we, in order to have harmony in Baltimore and in our community, we have to stand in one spirit. The indicator that you're standing firm together is there is unity. When oftentimes what happens in the church, when we see people in the worst version of themselves, and we like to distance ourselves from them. And the sad reality is that when the church, that is the time when the church is needed the most. When people are on the margins and life in prison or wherever they are, where life has them on the margin, that is the place where the church needs to be on stage. I said this, this passage last week, a few weeks ago before, about three weeks ago, Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42, and we love to use this passage for small groups, but I want you to understand what, they were, what was happening here in this passage. They said they devoted themselves to the apostle teachings, fellowship, breaking bread together. Everyone was filled with awe and many signs and wonders. Here it is. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold their properties, possessions to give to anyone who was in need. There was something powerful, church, about their togetherness. They were in a terrible, awful situation at that time. If you stood up and you said, Jesus, they would kill you. But these people stood together in one body because they stood firm on the gospel. But watch this. They stood together. They stood firm, but they stood together because there's something powerful about our togetherness. So the first thing I see is that they stand firm together. But the second thing I see here, church, is that they strive together in one faith. Here it is, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. This word, stand firm here, is a very interesting word in the Greek. It, it, they break it down into two words. It is sunai athia. So this is a very interesting word because sunai means with. Althea is where we get our word athlete from. It means to compete with each other. Now watch this. He's not talking about with each other, meaning, meaning we are in competition with one another as the church. What he's talking about is that each and every one of us will have opposition and struggle in this life. And Paul was referring to our enemy, who's Satan. And that he was saying, and all, he said, strive together to accomplish the things together so that the kingdom of God can come forth. It's like an athlete who's in competition. It's a, it, he's, he's helping us to understand that it is a group sport. This isn't an individual sport we're in. He said, when we stand together and battle the enemies and the, and, the, and the things that are destroying our community, it is real change that can happen. Sune Althea. You know, uh, my daughter the other day uh, was her first day back after a one year off from an ACL tear. And I'm going to be honest with you, my wife and I were sitting there, and we was like, we know she did rehab, we know she did all of the right things, and we were just hoping 
that this works out for her. And she finally got in the game, and she shot a three-pointer, and we were like, that's good. She's coming back. She shot another three-pointer, and I said, this is good. She's coming back. She shot another three-pointer. We said, this is good. She's good. And then she shot the fourth three-pointer. But on the fourth three-pointer, church, watch this. The girl reached up, tried to grab it, knocked her down on the ground. But here's the magic that was not her individual achievement. But here's the magic. When she fell on the ground, her entire team ran over and pulled her off the ground. Listen, Great City. When Paul says striving together, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about becoming one community when one is knocked to the ground to run over and pull them up. What would it look like <laughs> if the people, if we the church would go over to see people on the margins of life, go run at them and say, we're pulling you up and be the might from the margins. Paul says, stand firm together. He says, strive together. But here's the part where y'all going to get mad at me and y'all going to get on quiet time. Here it is. The third thing he says, we must suffer together as one community. Here it is. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer with him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw, I had now here that I still have. He, said, he says he has been granted. The word means to be graced to struggle. In other words, he says, he says here it is, y'all. Don't, don't miss this. This is so good. He says, he says, in Christ, we believe in him, but we also suffer for him. We good with the believing, right? We, we good with the believing part. But here lies the problem is the suffering part. And I, I you know, I... I I often wonder, where did we form a shape of this gospel that is something that we're not supposed to suffer or be suffering free? Paul says the greatest honor we have is to suffer with Christ. But I'm going to tell you what the problem is. Here it is. Here it is. This, this is the best line of the sermon right here. Here it is. The problem is this. When we do church, we want a good feeling. But in order to suffer with Christ, you need a good feeling. Y'all just said, I said, we like to do church with a good feeling. But suffering with Christ requires a good feeling. I'm not making this up. Y'all, 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 Corey, what are you talking about? All right, turn to Acts. I think it's nine or seven with one of them. Where Stephen was crucified, he was stoned to death for Christ. Y'all remember that? Come on, nod at me. So Stephen is stoned to Christ for God. But y'all missed it. The text says, watch this, Lil. Stephen, watch this, full of the Spirit. Now, first of all, Stephen is saved. So why did he have to get filled with the Spirit again? Here it is, y'all. See, some work in your life 
takes a filling, another filling of the Holy Spirit. Anybody know you only made it through this pandemic from a second filling? <laughs> come on, come on. See, Stephen watched it because he had to do the work. It's so many times in scripture you see the disciples doing the work of Christ and being a model of Christ with another filling. Stay with me. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. And there's a line in the scripture that I've never seen before. It says, watch this, Stephen filled with the Spirit. Watch this. It's, it's amazing. He looks up to heaven and see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. There's no other place in scripture where Jesus is standing in the right hand of the Father. I've seen him seated at the right hand of the Father several places. But I've never seen him standing at the right hand of the Father. Stephen is being persecuted. Stephen is being stoned. Stephen is suffering. And Jesus is standing looking at Stephen, giving him a standing ovation <laughs> for his suffering. Because his suffering is with Christ, the model of Christ. See, Grace City, it's time to get a standing ovation for the sacrifice that we make for the kingdom of God. Jesus is ready to stand and salute the church, but it requires us to go to the hard places, the margins of life, and pull people up and change, help to change their lives. Stephen, watch this church, was filled with the Spirit to suffer with Christ. Power together, but he, listen, church, Paul is saying in prison, I was able to get with, through this because we were able to stand together. We were able to strive together, and we suffered together. God, it's, it's, it's our responsibility to help each other get through this thing called life. And it is so important that we never lose sight of, of that message. We can stand together. We strive together. We suffer together. I'm going to repeat verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one faith of the gospel without being frightened any way of those who oppose you. Amen. Amen.